One of the overarching themes in the Section 809 panel's recommendations to improve Defense Department acquisition is speed to market. One of the focus areas from Congress over the last several years has been to simplify how the Pentagon buys innovative products and services. Both of those reasons are why the use of other transaction authority, or OTAs, are a popular solution to those challenges. Lieutenant Colonel Sam Kidd is the general counsel and a professional staff member of the Section 809 panel. He tells our executive editor, Jason Miller, about what's driving DOD to spend more than $2 billion a year through OTAs. You look at our report between, I think, we looked at 2012 to 2017, and actually the number, the number of dollars that DOD spent using commercial procedures declined. We may have been buying commercial stuff, but we weren't using the procedures that were there for us to buy, to, to, to more simply buy those commercial things. And I'm going to geek out on us for a second here. Right. Let me jump in. When you say commercial procedures, we're talking about FAR Part, and I'm going to let you fill it in. All right, so we're talking about FAR Part 12 procedures. And the differences between FAR Part 15 and FAR Part 5 and all the other ones is that specifically tells us what? 12 and 13 together are supposed to give us a more simplified way of buying. 13, I mentioned 13 as well because that's our simplified acquisition procedures. There's a simplified acquisition threshold, normally of 25,000, but when you're talking commercial, that goes up to 7 million. So DOD really has a lot of latitude in that space to buy $7 million worth of commercial products and services using these simplified procedures. And if you read part 13, it sounds great. There are some pretty simplified ways of doing things using oral solicitations, using standing price quotations. But that still functions within the greater context of the FAR, and you're talking about FAR Part 5, like you mentioned, advertising requirements. So now I can can use those oral solicitations, I can use those standing price quotations, which in today's world is the Internet, only if it's consistent with FAR Part 5, which says for every procurement over $25,000, you've got to publicly post it and wait a certain number of days. Our concept of readily available says... Look, in the commercial marketplace, we're not driving competition by doing that. We're not increasing competition by doing that. In fact, we may be anti-competitive because only those who are looking at FedBizOps and and understand how to get registered in SAM and go through the process of submitting a proposal are going to submit a proposal where there's number of vendors in the marketplace selling a product or service that we might want to buy from we're only going to choose from those that are actually come through that, through that system. So we think we ought to be able to reach out to the marketplace, have buyers that are doing their market research, finding the best products from the most capable vendors, and, and going out and using oral solicitations and using standing price quotations and using a credit card to buy up to a, a higher threshold, let's say a $15 million threshold panel's thinking is, is pretty straightforward, meaning if it's a commercial product, the, the competition's happening naturally. And before we were talking, I used the example of buying tennis shoes. If there's 10 companies that are trying to sell your tennis shoes, that's natural competition versus putting an RFP out and then saying, okay, send me bids, who has the best price. If the Air Force or, or the Army or, or, or Interior Department wants to put out a a solicitation or buy 10,000 tennis shoes from Nike or Adidas or, or Under Armour, that they should be able to negotiate that price straightforward versus, again, going through the, the more arduous, what many people think of more arduous contracting process. Right. It's a process that, I mean, dates back to the late 1800s for, for, for federal procurement. But things have changed since then. Things have changed dramatically since 1994 when, when FASA was passed. If you think about how people go about buying things. You know, I grew up in a really small town. You were limited to a very few number of stores in your small town where you, where you bought stuff. Now... Everybody orders off Amazon. You can get it in two days. 
or, or other online vendors that offer that offer quick shipping. They offer a, a way more products, a selection of products than than before. But the department's still stuck with our old system of buying. Unless something's under twenty five thousand dollars, then we then we have some flexibility, or we go an OT route. And so that's where everybody's kind of stuck. They see these OTs as a way to be able to go faster and be more agile, but they're only they're only there for, for certain things, for that research and development. So how do we make it easier for the department to, to go get those things that you and I could go out and buy, that other companies can go out and buy, that maybe our adversaries could go out and buy, uh, but we're, we're stuck with, with the system that we have. One of the other things, and I just want to circle back to the OTAs, do you get a sense or did the panel get a sense that, that yes, OTAs are a tool, but it's just the flavor of the month and things, again, will kind of, kind of ebb and flow as, as people get used to them and understand how to use them? Or is there something, is it speaking, is it a symptom of the broader disease? And what you're, what the panel's trying to do is cure that broader disease? Yes. Okay. I think I think the broader disease is, is what the OTs are indicative of because you've also got the CSOs, the commercial solution openings, you've got middle tier authority. All of these things are, are what are on the, the, the tip of the tongue of the, you know, most of the, the acquisition uh, senior leadership right now, especially within the Air Force, with Dr. Roper leaning forward on a lot of these areas. So I think that that's kind of what drove us towards the concept of readily available is we need to, and the whole dynamic marketplace as a whole, and looking at it as three unique ways that we buy, those things that are readily available that you can just go pick up off the shelf and buy with very little customization, those things that are readily available and, and everyone buys, but everyone buys them customized, and then those real defense unique, defense specific things that we need to look at each the way we buy each of those three categories of products and services differently, tailored properly, so that we can uh, be most efficient at, at buying in each of those marketplaces. One of the other things that you brought up during the panel, which I thought was just fascinating, was the number of contract clauses that have increased when it comes to commercially available or buying commercial items. One of the big things that I've heard time and again is the definition of commercial items is, is maybe the problem. And, and I kind of will, will say this goes back to a lot of what the Section 809 panel is highlighting is the training piece. And I know you have a whole section of acquisition workforce training, but give me your thoughts on how much of this can be accomplished just by retraining people to think differently, by giving them top cover, by saying it's okay to make a mistake, saying it's okay to try something different, that if you want to buy a commercial item, you can follow FAR Part 12 or 13. You don't have to go back to FAR Part 5. Or making minor changes like, like you guys are suggesting around um, micro-purchase threshold from 25000 to 75000 or 100000 Can you walk me through some of that? Is it, is it really a training issue or more of a there's some serious underlying issues that the Congress, that the DOD executives have to uh, really address? So I think, it's, I think it's both. I think the acquisition workforce could do a lot better about using the tools available available to them to, to buy things, uh, especially commercial and, and simplified, use those processes better. And there's a lot of incentives and reasons why that doesn't happen, and it's complicated. And that, in addition to what you mentioned, you also mentioned the, the definition of commercial being a problem. And so when you, when you combine those two things, that's why we ended up saying, look, throw out commercial. Our revolution change is, to, is just to throw it all out because it boils right down to the definition. There's problems with the definition, so if you're going to change the definition, that inherently changes everything. So let's just remove commercial and the baggage that has, has come with it and built up around it, the cottage industry of the commercial items groups and 
commercial item determinations and the government looking at commercial item determinations made by prime contractors and second-guessing those prime contractors. There's just there's a whole system that has been created in addition to the proliferation of the clauses that all needs to be needs to be reset. And it would be a challenge to implement within the workforce. It would require uh, training, but I think especially a lot of our young workforce we're moving to buying the way they buy for themselves. And so I think a lot of our young workforce would really would take to it and understand instead of trying to teach them this whole different way of buying that they're unfamiliar with, let them buy, let them buy the way they, they would buy on their own. I know you wear two hats. You have your active duty hat that you're not wearing today, and you have your 809 panel hat. So with your 809 panel hat, but with a little bit of a side glare to, to your active duty side of you, if there's one or two things when we talk about commercial items, when we talk about readily available, just this topic, not the entire 809 panel recommendations, if there's one or two things that could be done today or tomorrow that really would make a difference? It's going to take Congress's action, but you know, I, I reached out to some friends in the, in the contracting community, and, and one of them came back to me with the the idea that we already kind of talked about a little bit uh, that was pushing that threshold up for advertising because right now the advertising threshold is 25000 meaning that any procurement over $25,000 has to be published online on FedBizOps and you got to wait for proposals to come in. So that, that threshold hasn't changed in 30 years. Bump that threshold up, give us some more latitude to be able to use what we've proposed and readily available, that market-based competition, uh, even in the current system. I think that would be extraordinarily beneficial. The other thing that the services could do is they could go back and take a look at the clauses that are currently included in commercial contracts and take a hard scrub of those clauses and eliminate as much as they think they possibly can. Congress has actually told them to do that in, in the last NDA was to go back and evaluate all of the commercial clauses that have been included and uh, make a determination as to whether or not they really should apply. And, and a hard scrub of that list of clauses I think could really free up commercial vendors to do business with the government, but also free up prime contractors in that defense unique space to be able to uh, access commercial technology and incorporate it into those defense unique items as well. That's Lieutenant Colonel Sam Kidd, the general counsel and professional staff member of the Section 809 panel, talking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. And you can find this interview in our podcast or at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.